And it's Video Vampires, guys, and this is Mickey. And Jessica. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Uh, I didn't want to talk too much before we started recording because, you know, but uh, we I've seen some stuff. I know you've seen some stuff. Oh, I want to hear what you what you saw. Lot. I've seen a oh. lot. So I got so Fantastic Fat Fantastic Fest, which happens in Texas. Is it Texas? That's Texas, yeah. Yeah. Austin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they did an at home. Uh, Fantastic Fest at home, and I thought it was really cool. It was like a hundred bucks, and I was like, I don't fucking do anything anyway, so I'm just gonna watch movies all weekend or all week. Uh, and so I got a ticket, and I've watched five movies. Some of them expire, so they they pretty much expire 48 hours after their release. So there's you know Thursday, Friday, and so I missed a day, and now I was like trying to frantically catch up on all the movies that I had to watch before uh, 12, which I only got one, but. So I watched um, a whole shit ton, and I'm going to go through them in a second, and then along with what else I'm watching, which is, uh, you know, I got back into the new cycle where I was watching a lot of new stuff, so mm-hmm. <clears throat> the movies I watched was After Blue, Oh, which I is see uh, that. Bertrand Mandico. He did uh, The Wild Boys, which is one of my favorite new movies. He's very much an experimental art house type of, uh, of director. He did a bunch of shorts that were on a movie, which were really cool. This is good, but it's not my favorite of his. And also, okay. as much as I, I loved it, uh, there's a character called Kate Bush, which is really, <laughs> it, was, it was like pretty humorous. And uh, they say their the full name over and over and over again. Like the whole movie is just like, Kate Bush, we're, we must kill Kate Bush. Kate Bush must <laughs> die. It's like really funny. It, it was pretty funny, but I don't know. I I really loved it. I think he has this like great vision. It's like if I don't know, like you're on acid and you're obsessed with gender and glitter and like purple lighting, you know? Sounds great. I don't know. I I do really like him as a director. I think like everything he does is like sort of amazing. This one isn't my favorite, but it's still good. Um, I watched this movie called The Glass House, which I it, it started off and I was like, is this movie just the beguiled? But it is the similar storyline, but it has a really fun like science fiction apocalyptic take on it while being mm-hmm. this like weird, seductive like thriller. Okay. Uh, it was pretty cool. And then I watched uh, The Execution, which is this Russian crime drama, you know, pretty much like that feel of the 90s crime drama, you know, like, like Seven or, or the film that we're going to talk about later. Um, mm-hmm. it was it was actually really cool at first I, I thought it was like kind of by the numbers and then as we went along to the end I thought it was like pretty good it's, okay. it's very dramatic um I don't know how to describe it but it's very Russian I feel like I like it's very to the point yeah if the, if you will um but it was really cool and I, I really enjoyed it and I, I really like all these like crime dramas anyway sure um and then I watched this movie called uh, Zavala which is this Iranian horror movie. Um, it takes place in 1978. Mm. Uh, and it talks about like a p- policeman who goes to the village because the village thinks there's a demon in it. And so, uh, mm. you know, how old villages work and old folklore and like who's the demon and how are they going to catch the demon and the villagers are going crazy. When did it come out? This this year, I think. Okay, okay. Either this year, or th- all of these movies are like newer releases. Okay. But there was like our Iranian horror movies. I feel like are are um, coming into the limelight now, if if right. you will. There's been a lot in the past few years that have been really good. 
um, which is really cool to see kind of um, other countries' takes on their own folklore, uh, especially when they're allowed to do so finally by their government, when they're allowed to produce certain things. Right. Um, and then the last thing I watched from the Fantastic Fest, which is, it, it goes until the 11th, so next um, episode we do too, I'll have a whole set of other movies to review. Um, this movie called Midnight, which I, I honestly fucking loved. And it's weird because the reviews are a little polarizing. Either people loved it or they didn't like it at all. Um, mm-hmm. I loved it. It's a Korean movie about a deaf girl who's being stalked by a serial killer. Um, I thought it was really good. And I, I don't know if it's because, um, I could see the way the character is going. Like the, the main character is, um, this young deaf girl who's like very demure, um, and very much, um, I don't want to say like Korean women are demure at all, but they have a certain look in a certain way that you're supposed to act. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like they took that and then uh, she represented kind of that on the screen, but she was very strong and very smart and ended up, you know, I wouldn't say outsmarting, but like getting to this point in the end of just being who she is, which I really liked. It wasn't like she turned into like a hyper violent revenge babe she was still who she was um it was very cool especially to see um them introduce like people with disabilities um Mm -hmm. not that being deaf is a huge disability but it's it's fucking terrifying when you can't hear like there's a few shots of like her standing and like someone is like running full speed behind her like towards her and she can't hear it you know and that is terrifying to me it's just like it just like makes my skin crawl the whole movie i feel like i was like biting my fingernails even though i wasn't but i was just like i wanted to because i was like oh god like you can't fucking just run uh but she can't hear so it it was really good i i did really like it and so those are the beyond um beyond fest we were just talking about that the fantastic fest movies um that i've watched so far there's still a ton that i'm gonna watch today um and more that i can't wait to see and then a movie that premiered at beyond fest that Mm -hmm. also finally hit um independent theaters which i'm lucky that the plaza in atlanta was showing it um titan Mm -hmm. which is julia de corno i believe Mm -hmm. and so here here's the thing I feel like people, especially on the internet now, use these festivals as, like, a a view on how good a movie is, even if it's not. (laughs) Right. And I'm not saying it's not good. It it is very cool. It's this wild take on on love and acceptance, which is weird because it's about a woman serial killer who fucks a car and gets pregnant by it. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Which it is really cool. and interesting and sad and Mm. you she does a good job of like forgetting or making us forget that the woman brutally murdered people in the beginning of the movie uh it is great but it wasn't like the greatest movie i've ever seen um definitely worth worth a watch i think um this is her second big feature she did raw right previously um and so i saw i saw that in the theater and then I was watching all these like other movies. I uh, I rewatched Jeepers Creepers, which is funny because I totally forgot what the director did. And then I, you know, midway through, I was like, I know he did something fucked up. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. he's a child monster just like everyone else in Hollywood. Right. Uh, and then I felt weird watching the end of it. And then I watched uh, the original Purge, which is now you know been into like this whole huge monster of there's like what seven of them? I don't know. Sure. Five? Yeah. TV show. Yeah, uh, the first part is still pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. It's fun. I I I think uh, our society is leaning towards this type of dystopian yeah. future where we have one day that all crime is acceptable. Um, and then I watched this movie called Cold War, which I originally watched. I think it came out in 2018. Yeah. Um, and it was one of the festival circuits, but it came out. What was the other big one? Oh, The Handmaiden. And I remember, I didn't feel like it overshadowed, but I, I was like obsessed with The Handmaiden. And so I rewatched Cold War and it's like this romantic Polish movie. Yeah, I think, I think it's Polish. Um, <clears throat> that was set, you know, um, back in the day about this, this couple um, who are trying to find love in this, in this certain war atmosphere. And then I watched uh, Free Guy to cleanse my palate of all the heavy crime yeah of all the crime thriller suicide you know serial killer drama uh free guy was actually really fun okay i will say it's enjoyable it's stupid it's it's like a stupid sort of romantic comedy but like it was a good palate cleanser i felt okay watching it you know and i like felt good going to sleep after watching it Good. And I, I didn't like wake up all night like being like oh, like thinking about all the serial killers I've probably bumped into in Atlanta. Um, and then for <laughs> shows, I've watched Skid, uh, Squid Game, which you've probably heard. It's making the rounds. Yeah. Uh, this Korean um, series about very much about uh, the class system, um, if you will. It's mm-hmm. really fucking good. It's really good. It's yeah. really enjoyable. It's bright. It's kind of silly and it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, Why the Last Man, which was a comic by Brian K. Vaughn, has been made into a TV show, which is on Hulu, which is really good so far. And from what I remember, it's been a little while since I've read it. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's pretty much exactly like the comic so far. The casting is great. Um, everything about it is really cool so far. I'm really interested to see where they're going to end it off because um, it's been like five episodes so far and we're we're still at the very beginning of like kind of where the comics were taking place so i feel like they're gonna carry the whole story a few seasons um and then i watch midnight mass and so yeah. <clears throat> typically i am not a mike flanagan fan which is weird because i like his stuff i just feel like and i've talked about it many times before he drops off he gets too soft and it's happened with all the shows he's done. And even um, Dr. Sleep, I it's probably one of my least liked Stephen King adaptions, even if King okay. loves it, which we've talked about before, how I don't think Stephen King has good taste. I think he likes stupid things. I think he's very much softer in his old age because, you know, he's a reformed addict. And so he has this, like, I, big idea of redemption. And so I can see why he likes Mike Flanagan so much. This is probably the most, one of the most perfect vampire series i've ever seen mm-hmm. and that's not and that's me and i don't like mike flanagan i i really don't i'm very much a critic of his work um mm-hmm. it's close to being perfect for me okay uh the ending is a little long-winded at, at some point i was like okay we fucking get it like the speech is lasting forever right but i really like how it ends um the, the you know it's very much a, a catholic movie so if anyone had grown up with religion in their life you kind of correlate this like story of of forced religion a little bit and then kind of the realization um that it means nothing mm-hmm. um or that it could lead you down a different path or or whatever but uh it's really fucking good it's like terrifying and scary in the right parts and sad and it is very loving 
in other okay. parts. Um, I really loved it. And I, I, it's hard because when you hear so much hype about something and then you watch it and you're like, is it as good? Um, I really fucking loved it. But for you, Mickey, I might wait. <laughs> I, I, no, I mean, I've, I've had people mention this to me too. And like, I was interested, but again, I'm, I, I think I'm even more of a critic of this guy than you are. And like, um, cause I didn't really like anything that I've seen him do. Um, where some people are like, oh, I really liked that Ouija movie he did. Uh, my mm -hmm. wife liked I like Gerald Game. I see. I didn't watch all of that. And it wasn't because I wasn't interested. just because I, I, well, I mean, I stopped it because I wasn't interested. My wife watched the whole thing. I was watching it with her. And I was just like, all right. And and it wasn't because I, I thought it was badly done. It was just like, Gerald's Game was never my favorite Stephen King story. And maybe I need to give it another go. But like, I thought what he did was, you know, what I saw, you know, what I saw what he did with it was pretty good. But I, I just, everything that I've sat through and watched, like Haunting Hill House, um, yeah. Ouija, uh, there was something else. Dr. I can't remember Sleep. what it was. Oh, Blythe Manor or whatever. Blythe yeah, Manor, whatever I, I just I just don't care for him, and I, I I it's kind of like I know that like kind of what you were saying about like festivals and everything and how they're not really good critics. I I mean sometimes I don't think horror movies. I think sometimes horror movie horror fans are so um hungry into the genre. Yeah, yeah hungry yeah. that like that they'll that you know. And for me, it's like I just I couldn't get into it. I'm also like I'm a giant asshole who doesn't like I have like I. I can easily name 10 movies in the past 10, 15 years that have come out that I've enjoyed in the horror genre. But I, I just, I, there's a lot of people who are like, oh man, I just saw Annabelle and I loved it. And I was like, I, it's just not my, it's not my cup of tea. And like the people who loved the, the new it movies, you know, it's like, I, 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 so I'm a little weary when people like, you know, it's, um, and I'll get into this one in a bit, but like, you know, when people, um, when so many people are clamoring about this one thing, like I saw a movie yeah. last night that people had been talking to me about for a long time and I watched it and it was good, but it was like, it's always the, you always want to gauge the, like when somebody tells you like, Oh, you would love this thing. It's like, well, what else do you like? And then you, they start telling you like, Oh, I like this. I like this. And it's like, well, what is it about me that they think that I would like this? And Oh yeah. If, I get that. You know, what I, mean? you know yeah. what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, 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 I want to see midnight mass. And I talked about it last night with somebody, but, um, who said it was pretty good. But you know, so I'll, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna give it a chance. But uh, yeah, I, I will watch it because I am interested. But what else did you watch? Uh, I'm like that was a lot. Uh, yeah, it was. I think I think that's it. I mean, I'm I'm uh, right after this call, I'm about to watch like probably four four movies oh, cool. up, up until I fall asleep of uh, what's left on uh, Fantastic Fest for Saturday because it expires tomorrow. Sure. And so I'm gonna go through a lot of that, but. I think, you know, that's a lot of content. It is. Uh, it is. Midnight Mass is probably my favorite of it. Um, but I will say that I'm just not a Mike Flanagan fan, and I really fucking liked it. Plus, it's the best use of Neil Diamond songs since Saving Silverman, perhaps. <laughs> well, that's I'm a bold big, statement. I'm a, I'm a big Neil fan, and it starts off pretty good. So uh, we'll, okay. uh, I'll leave it at that. But what did what – did, I mean, I, I just rambled yeah. on about everything I watched. But what about you? Um – so the only thing new I saw, so Beyond Fest is in LA and, and, you know, as it is every year, it's becoming more and more impossible to get tickets to stuff, um, largely because they have got to get their fucking ticketing system figured yeah. out. And I, this is a joke that you and I've had since we worked for a ticketing system where it's like, and it wasn't even at, like when I think about when we joked about it before, it was never as bad as it's gotten in the last years. And, and granted, um, you know, COVID really fucked everything up, you know, so it's really nice to be back in a theater to see these movies. But um, I only got, um, I got, I went to a Beyond Fest screening. It was an RSVP screening and it was a documentary called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, a history of folk horror. 
and I've been wanting to see this for, since I heard about it. Um, it is a documentary about folklore, right? Oh, um, cool. And and you know, Kate and I, my wife and I, I showed her Blood on Satan's Claw Friday night, you know, because she had never seen it, and we wanted to watch something because it's Halloween, it's October, and she was just laughing. She was like, "The things that you find scary," because my wife finds everything scary except for like whenever I find something terrifying, she does not like. Um, but which is weird because I usually find everything that she's getting scared of. Like we watched Malignant and like I told you, and she was getting freaked out. I'm like, this is not scary to me at all. I realize that I'm a little bit more into um, like anytime you get into like, the, like exactly what blood and Satan's claw is like that folk horror where it's like, you're kind of drudging up old, you know, um, what, what they call it in describing the documentary, like the old ways, you know, whenever you kind of dive into like the old ways kind of coming back, you know, like that to me is really creepy. And like, um, religious horror always gets under my skin, even though I'm not practicing anything, you know? So, um, that being said, I loved this documentary, but it is three hours long and it felt very academic. Um, mm -hmm. I, again, I loved More this like documentary. Than a... And it's great. Well, I mean, there's so many interviews, but it's like so dense. And like, let me put it this way. They break it down to six parts, right? Five or six parts. And, I think they could have done without one of them because at one point they, you know, they cover the unholy trinity, which is Witchfinder General, Blood on Satan's Claw, Wicker Man, right? And then they go into like tropes of folklore, and then they go into like, you know, um, you know, the origins of all this stuff, and then they go into like at one point they go and vampires and werewolves and all this stuff. That's folklore too, and I'm like, okay, we can do without a section on vampires and werewolves and all this type of thing because those sub those those alone could be their own documentary. So we don't need to dive into it for 20 to 30 minutes um, because we've done we can do that somewhere else. We've done that before, you know, whereas like then they go into American folk uh, folk horror, which they, they covered Eyes uh, Eyes of Fire, which you and I had watched. Oh, yeah. Which is also on the Fantastic Fest list. Um, right. They got a 4K restoration, mm -hmm. which is pretty fucking cool. Well, uh, Severin Films. Um, is releasing Eyes, um, Eyes of Fire. They're also the ones who released Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched. And the reason why is because Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched was originally supposed to be a 30-minute supplemental feature on the Blood on Satan's Claw uh, DVD that they released. But there was so much info. This, this, this director, she's also a writer of a book called House of Psychotic Women, which is explores women in role in horror films. She directed this, and she like was so, she got so into it that she ended up pulling interviews with so many people. And of course, then it becomes a three-hour documentary. And the, the guy from Severin was at the screening last night, and he said, originally her original cut was six hours long so it's holy like holy shit. shit and i've watched other and i was saying to you before we started i've watched other documentaries that are four hours long five hours long in one sitting like um the nightmare on elm street one never sleep again or um in search of darkness one and two which i was part of the crowdfunding for i can watch this because they're like they're quick you know like even though they're long running time they're still like the it moves a lot quicker this one feels this one's more like i said a little bit more academic it doesn't feel like i don't know if i would say i mean i guess it does kind of feel like a lecture at some points but um it's beautiful and it's great and they covered a lot of movies that i've seen a lot of movies that i've never even heard of that i really want to see they talk about books that i was like ah, oh, i wish i you know i wish i had a pen and a piece of paper during the whole thing because i would have written down like everything like i'm gonna buy this documentary when they release it in december on dvd but they mm -hmm. released it as part of a box set severin's doing this giant box set of I think 19 films, including this documentary, including Eyes of Fire, um, Blood on Satan's Call, they're all in this box set. And then you, I think you can get them individually. But they also talked about that movie we watched, V, 
or Vi. Yeah. I, I, it made me really want to go rewatch it, but this time with the original language, because I remember my biggest problem before was the dubbing was like, man, this guy's such a fucking clown. I can't deal with him. But now it's like, you know what? I want to give that movie another go because I, I remember See, not I re- being as clown. I know you didn't, which I was surprised, but I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so that was the newest thing I've seen. I'm, my wife and I are going to go see, um, they're going to do a Beyond Fest screening of the first episode of Chucky, um, along with a Q&A with Don Mancini and a few other people. And I love Don Mancini. He's the guy who wrote all the Child's Play movies. He directed the last few. He worked on Hannibal. I'm, I love this guy. Uh, but then they're going to screen the original Child's Play. So we're going to go do that. And that's going to be my Beyond Fest for the year. My wife and I are also signed up for it. There we, was a virtual film festival that we watched last year. We're going to watch it again this year um, at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be next week. And um, we're gonna actually going to watch one of the movies that was covered in the documentary along with some new stuff. I'm um, really excited about that. And then um, I re- we, re- we re-watched The Exorcist. My wife and I got into a big fight about who what was a scarier movie, The Shining and The Exorcist. And I was like, I think The Shining's a better movie. I think The Exorcist is a scarier movie. And so we had this debate, and we had already watched The Shining, so we watched The Exorcist. And guess who won that argument? That's right, this guy. Afterwards, when the movie was over, she was like, okay, you were right. And I was like, exactly. When you're watching The Exorcist, it's scary, but it's not that scary. It's when you're done watching it, you're still thinking about it. That's when it's really scary. And that's, I think, a mark of a good horror movie. Um, so we watched that. And then last night, uh, my friend I've been, my friend and I have been doing outdoor screenings at his place inviting people and he he hosted one last night um of the original batman 1989 and spirited away which i had never seen and people have been oh, saying really you've never seen yeah. spirited away wow and everybody's been saying you got to see this movie you gotta see this movie and i saw it and i enjoyed it i just i also uh was very tired watching it um because uh, yeah, it was like the... there's so many Mizaki movies that are just so brilliant and the animation is and i mean but, but you got to pay attention because the animation yeah. is like part of the most beautiful part i agree and uh, i really did like it's just it's funny to me because um there's this thing with japanese culture that i really love and i also think it's really funny is that like uh quick side story there's there's a video game the very famous japanese video game that's been ported over to america what it's this you know you're you play this kid who's like this guy who's trying to find your father's killer and you so you go to this part of japan and in the game you have to get a job and you have to work that job so you can have money to do things. <laughs> and I know people who love this game, and I've played it, and it is fun. But, like, I was getting an argument with somebody where I'm like, yeah, it's – I play games because I want to get away from my life, and now i got to work another shitty job. It's not like you're working a fun job. You're working – I'm, like, moving shit from, like, crates from one place to another back and forth. And I'm like, it's fucking tedious and crazy. So I thought in Spirited Away, the funniest thing was she was like that she she ends up in this new this kind of weird spirit world. And they're like, yeah, you have to you have to get a job. And I'm like, what is it with fucking showing people having to work a shitty job, you know, in Japan? I just I think it's hilarious and I love it. And um, it's also bizarre. Um, and then I'm going to be screening in, in two weeks at the same my friend's place. We're going to be doing a screening of Nightmare on Elm Street three and four. Oh, which fine. I'll introduce and I'll I'll have a video package for that and everything. I'm really excited about that. Although people are like, "Why are we watching four? And I'm like, "Cause it's fucking awesome." Shut up, you know. Like, <laughs> just deal with it. Like, there we go back to the the horror yeah. genre. We don't care. Yeah, and it's like you know, give me a fucking break. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think three is a great sequel to any movie, let alone the first one. And I think four is a great sequel to a sequel. It's not as good as three, but it's a good, you know, continuation. But anyway, um, and then TV, I haven't really watched anything. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. Um, I went to Universal Halloween Horror Nights. I was telling you about that. Um, it's, you know, it just seems like they're kind of, I think everybody's just kind of dealing with the after effects of 2020. So they're, you know, it's some things are just like, it's going to need a, a little more patience to kind of like pick, you know, get back to where we were and everything. Cause it was definitely a, a, a lesser experience this year. And I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, COVID and everything like that. Um, we are going to go to the haunted hayride in LA. Oh, um, I'm holding out hope for the arrow horathon coming back in person. Cause I would, that's always my, one of my favorite October things to do. And we just, we have a stacked October, I think um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, um, but yeah, I watched that documentary. It's three hours long. I definitely recommend it. I um, it's great to see it on the big screen, but I would also recommend watching it at home if you can, because you won't be an asshole if you had to like pull out a piece of paper and a pen and start writing shit down. Because there is a lot. It's like this movie should have come with a bibliography. Like they should have the end credit should have just been like these are all the fucking things that you should be watching and looking up because it was so much information, a lot of interviews, um, a lot of great stuff. Um, I, I definitely recommend checking it out. And then uh, the only other thing that I've watched is the movie that we um, that you recommended that we I'm, watched today. I'm very excited to hear your take on it. So uh, especially after watching The Execution, that new Russian crime drama, um, since it reminded me a lot of the 90s. So especially mid-90s, I think it was 1995. Mm-hmm. You have Seven, you have Copycat, you have so many like gritty crime dramas, and I feel like Copycat is the one that kind of got lost in, lost in the shuffle, or it Every- wasn't as popularized because the director isn't David fucking Fincher, but like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's just so underrated, and it's one of my favorites, and when I got to pick, I was like, we gotta watch Copycat, because I fucking love this movie. I love Copycat. But I'll let you give the synopsis, and then tell me what you think first. Okay, so... um. This is a um, Sigourney Weaver plays a like I guess like a forensic forensic or a serial killer expert. I know there's a word for it. I just don't. A criminal she's a psychologist. Doctor. She's a yeah. doctor. Yeah, whatever. And she's a uh, she's you know she's going around. She's a, an author and she's going around giving lectures and stuff like that. And one of her lectures, um, one of the members of the audience is a serial killer who tries to kill her um, in the bathroom after the lecture, and it like scars her it makes her agoraphobic and she um and then like i think a year later or two years later sometime later there's another killer in san francisco and she ends up getting roped in to help the police the police are uh, the two detectives are played by holly hunter and dermot Mulroney. um and you know it turns out the killer is is using mo's from other serial killers from the past and there's even more of a bigger connection to her like and her lectures uh but yes, um, that was the movie. I remember when it came out because it did get, you're right, it got lost in the shuffle of a lot of movies. Like right after Silence of the Lambs, we had movies like Just Cause with Sean Connery and Ed Harris and Lawrence Fishburne. We had like, we had Copycat, we had Seven. They, it, they all came out at a time where like none of them really stood out like theatrically because um, so... Um, I was just so inundated with. We got yeah. They all. I mean, like, because people won't remember it. Seven wasn't a huge blockbuster. That movie became, got a lot of its like 
traction on video, which is what I remember seeing like, when I saw the trailer. I was like, I don't want to fucking see that movie. It looked like every other look like Sound Slams, look like cop. You know, they all looked like Sound Slams ripoffs. You know, and and then um, I saw Seven when it, right when it came out on video, like when it was like just new release on video, and I was like, this movie is amazing. Where how did I miss out on this? Um, Copycat was one that I didn't did not give a, a, another chance to until you told me to, and um, I really enjoyed it um I'm i so, definitely i'm so glad <laughs> I, I mean I, like i look i had some i had some issues with it and one of which i wrote these notes down like one of my favorite things is <laughs> so it's like somebody came out with 95 right 94 yeah, 95 95 yeah <laughs> so, so i just my notes were oh the inner oh boy the internet and okay. it was like but in what okay so uh, in 95 i was 12 and that's mm-hmm. exactly what the internet looked like though i know I know, and like, but that's the, always the problem whenever you're like trying to include technology as big as they do in copycat in, in any movie in that in any time period. Whenever you're like focusing on like a technology, because there's a lot of moments where she's like, she's she's got this weird like she's part of this weird like chat room of like other people suffering from agoraphobia, agoraphobia or panic yeah. attacks, and like she's playing chess on the internet with somebody, and like she's getting messages from the killer because, as Dermot Mulroney says he's hacked into her internet address and i was like okay but what i was saying about whenever you kind of focus on technology like that it sucks because technology moves so fast that it becomes very dated very quickly you know and it it was just a small like i kind of giggled to myself but it wasn't the worst thing in the world although i didn't understand i was like are they using a weird like 1995 version of photoshop because there's definitely moments where she's like modifying a picture and everything um that being said, one of the things I really enjoyed about this movie was, and my wife watched it with me, was um, it usually when you have movies about serial killers chasing, you know, killing women, they're being chased by men. In this case, you've got two women. Holly Hunter yeah. and Sigourney Weaver are, this movie might have just been okay had it not been for the two of them because they are so fucking good. Like, yes. Holly Hunter is I mean, Holly Hunter's character, like, there's, like, some backstories with her that they never really dive too much into, but I don't think that was the purpose. I think the purpose was to say she's got a lot – she's not just a one-dimensional, I'm just a cop just doing cop things. Like, she's got a fucking life, and she has, like, emotions, and she's got, you know, uh, things going on, you know? And, like, I really enjoyed her character. There's a great scene where, like, it's, like, a a scene with the two of them separately looking at these pictures of these, like, dead women, and I was like, what an interesting, like – take on this we're so used to these moments being like like again like silence of the lambs uh well not silence of the lambs but manhunter you know where yeah will graham or or you know uh yeah a lot of a lot of even like in, even in mind hunter too where you have similar situations of like people trying to analyze uh serial killers they're mostly led by men and looking right. at images of this and you have two very powerful characters yes uh, i love that I, I, this is one of my favorites, um, too, because uh, Sigourney Weaver is an excellent actress, and I feel like both of them did their jobs to develop a, a solid backstory so they had knowledge how to play these characters. I mean, Sigourney Weaver playing um, a very uh, smart, intelligent woman who's also agoraphobic is very believable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Holly Hunter, I guess, um, you know, spent a lot of time with um, police, you know, in downtown L.A. Um, to try to figure out, you know, like the mindset of certain detectives and smart detectives, not, yeah. you know, a lot of the time um, you, you the reflection of police is that they're stupid. And most of the time I agree because I feel like they are or they just don't fucking care. 
I feel like these characters did enough backstory research um, to where they feel believable. Yeah, I mean, like, look, let's let's be honest here. Like, the cops in, in the movie Copycat, with the exception of Holly Hunter and Dermot Mulroney, are stupid. Yeah, <laughs> are stupid as fuck. Like, there's one. Like, you've got an agoraphobic woman who's been in communication with the killer, so now she's she should be under under all the surveillance. And like, there's a scene where like a car alarm goes off in the parking lot outside, and this cop's like, "I'm gonna go check it out." And it's like, "You're a fucking idiot. Like, you're a fucking dumb fuck." Which is why when he like when Dermot Moroni shows up, and you know, because we were safe, he just turns to the cop. And he's like, "I'll deal with you. I'll deal with you later, asshole." And I'm just like, "I'm glad that they're showing that this fucking idiot is gonna get some sort of repercussions for being like who fucking does that." And I was like, when I was like, "Who fucking does that?" Cops do that all the time. I mean, like, um, yeah, but. Uh, I think actually it was funny because Sigourney Weaver is great in this movie, but my only gripe with her character, I had two. One was that she's like, we were supposed to believe that she's been drinking and popping pills for like a year now, but she looks like Sigourney Weaver. She looks fantastic, you know? And it's like, (laughs) she should be, I mean, we should see, I would like to have seen a little bit more of like, oh, she's in bad shape, Um, uh, you know, by at this point, but whatever. And then my other problem was that like, I feel like her, um, I feel like, a better version of her being a character who's been traumatized by an event and then has to work through that would be aliens, which is what she got nominated for, you know, like, um, that one to me was like, I felt that a little bit more like, um, I just felt that that hit me a little bit harder, you know, like in aliens when she's like really struggling with like, I have to go back and deal with this shit. I can't, I don't want to do this. And then like, um, but but I think that's the difference is, she wants to go back and do this stuff. She's just, yeah. you know what I mean? It wasn't like a mission or that she had to because of humanity or whatever. Right. This is because she, this was her life's work and she loved it, but right. she was traumatized by it. Right. And, um, and I, like I said, I, I mean, I, I feel like in anybody else's hands, it would have been like a, the character. Also, Harry felt... Jr. Yeah. I mean, he's, Amazing. I do. I've Except always he's loved like, it. A disturbing howdy doody, you know. Like, I love Harry like... Jr. I've always been a fan of his, you have know. You? Yeah, I have. I mean, um, maybe not his music so much, but like, I mean, like when he's acted and stuff, I've always dug him. Like my wife and I got into an argument about that because she was like, I didn't feel like he was. I feel like he was too whatever, and I was like, oh, I think Harry Connick Jr. is perfect as that character. Um, my, um, but that it was that character that kind of made me not want to see it in the first place because it kind of felt like, oh, he's behind bars, and eventually they're gonna have to talk to him, just like in Silence of the Lambs when this movie came out that's that was the impression that i got I, it's not quite like that which i really liked yeah. um but uh i had my only real problem with the movie was it was never really scary like the killer is not um scary to me like we went through all these after we watched the movie we went through all these different like um serial killer movies that. and like yeah i think one of my i think when i bring up like manhunter or silence of lambs or um maybe even seven um, but like you get a little bit more of the killer, you get just a little bit more of like who they are as a person. Um, then I feel like you do do in this one or it just, maybe it just didn't work, but like, he wasn't that scary to me, you know, like, um, so, but I think, so I feel like that correlates to the, um, whole part of serial killers are just normal people and they kind mm-hmm. of, in the way of they act normal, they seem normal, sociopaths do normal things, they get married. Even in the beginning, her whole lecture is like, they have jobs, they're part of the community. Look at fucking right. BTK, you know what I mean? Like, right. they are, they lead normal lives for the most part. And then, right. super serial killers. So I felt like 
his character was more of a reflection on that. It's like he can't be seen because he's in a sea of other normal people. No, no, I got that. Yeah. I I, I I don't think he was supposed to be scary. He's not supposed to be like, you know, uh, Buffalo Bill, you know, where like there's this figure that is made to be terrifying. He's just a normal guy that happens to be a serial killer. And tormented yeah i lent it more i let it i thought it lent more to the, the whole idea that like this guy is like he's kind of like a cheap imitation of all these other killers you know yeah which uh, yeah and like i said it was just it was like there was this moments where i was like i wasn't i never really felt scared i was definitely surprised there was moments where i was like oh that happened i didn't think that was gonna happen i wish that hadn't happened i liked that person or you know um stuff like that i i i definitely um this is definitely a cut above a lot of movies that it it was compared against you know i definitely think that um i really again i think the the cast is just fucking dynamite i really love you know like i said i I love sigourney weaver i love holly i think holly hunter is probably my favorite actress out of of all of them and of of all time you know like Mm -hmm. just because like when i go back to everything i've ever watched her and i'm like i've never seen her make a mistake not be solid yeah Yeah, she's from georgia she's from conyers which is like really funny because someone said the other day you know because the world is so small someone's like oh holly hunter's from conyers and i was like what and uh they're like oh yeah you you know this person and her family and i was like what the fuck this world's so small but i had no idea that she was from georgia even though she kind of has like a thick accent oh yeah a few days ago my wife and i kind of were watching clips of um of Holly Hunter, and we watched a clip from Raising Arizona. We watched a clip from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And just like to be able to see her, like she's how quickly she, how it, the ability she has to kind of like go back and forth between characters and like and and play, you know, again she plays like you know a cop in or she, you know her character in Raising Arizona compared to this character, you know, and it's just like how how wildly different they are. But she's just she's that great. And then Sigourney Weaver is awesome. Dermot Mulroney, I really like. I really like um, Will Patton, who plays yeah. the cop who like is in love with Holly. he was dating holly hunter or they were married i can't I, they never really get into it but like they're no longer together and he's clearly jealous of 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 holly hunter's relationship with her partner is played by dermot mulroney who i really like um but will Patton is just like, he's always like a solid uh character actor a solid like you know you have him in you know like um you have him kind of in the background not in the background but like he's never you know i've never really seen him play a lead but he always plays a supporting character so well that it's just it's very he anchors a lot of movies i think and i really Mm -hmm. dug him so the cast is great the guy who plays the serial killer i've only ever seen him in another movie called surviving the game which i love i don't know if you ever saw surviving the game if you guys haven't it's uh ice t rudger hauer um charles s dutton f murray abraham um uh ted mcginley and mm. the guy who plays the serial killer in um in copycat and it's a variation of the most dangerous game like they're all hunting ice tea the killer in that in, in copycat plays the only sim- really sympathetic character aside from ice tea in um surviving the game so i thought it was really i was like who the fuck is this guy and i looked him up because he does he's got a very like um generic look and i don't mean that in an insulting way it's like you can i knew who he was the killer from the get-go because there's one part you see him in the police station and like the he kind of tries to say hi to a cop and they just kind of walk by him and i was like oh he's definitely the killer um that being said i think it works because he's got this very like he could be anybody yeah I think this it was normal really guy face yeah um I was really, I was like, I thought the the moment for something really scary would have been when he was doing the Jeffrey Dahmer imitation, just because that 
Jeffrey Dahmer's murders are always the ones that like when I read about them, like I literally get chills, you know, because they're so disturbing. The, yeah. Disturbing and also like some of the other you know, facts about it, like, you know, like he victims. Yeah, all that shit. And so I was really like, oh, this is gonna be fucking terrifying. And it didn't quite go that direction. Um, it was just, you know, fine. But I was just like, I, I definitely um I definitely think there's moments that could have been scary, but I, at the end of the day, I wasn't expecting to be scared. I was just, but I was definitely in for the ride. It was definitely like, um, I definitely enjoyed it. I was really impressed. I, I wish I had watched this when it came out in 95, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, and I wanted to watch it just because I was feeling very nineties, <laughs> Yeah, but it is, I feel like it's under a lot of radars or that it's not talked about as much as other movies like Seven or Silence of the Lamb that happened in the 90s. But like Sigourney Weaver is just so fucking good and she's Cute. such a great actress and it it's pretty solid all the way through. It's not, I wouldn't, like you said, it wasn't like scary or as much as like a horror movie as Seven is, mm -hmm. but it to me anytime you talk about like serial killers it's more of a horror than it is even if it's like a thriller or a crime oh, drama um, of course so i and this one has been a favorite ever since i saw it as a kid it was like one of my dad's movies you know like the, yeah the, the dad movies and then i watch it i watch it probably like i think i mentioned it when we did our halloween you know we, tried we did to a, a uh, movie. yeah we did a stay at home -athon. And, and you I would mention copycat. Yeah. 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 And so it is one of my favorites, and I, I want everyone to love it. <laughs> but it's solid. It's solid. It's like a solid watch. And yeah. even it, Harry Connick Jr. is kind of my favorite. And and seeing him and how they made him look, it's like it's like a tinge ridiculous because he kind of looks like Chucky. You know, like I watched the DVD <laughs> version that I've had for forever. So he has like kind of like this red hair and he has like freckles and he's like talking with a really thick accent. But he's like terrifying, and I'm like, this dude's just living in San Francisco, <laughs> like, you right. know. But right. it's he's believable. he's not going under the radar. Yeah, no. Um, would you would you I see Harry Connick Jr.? Yeah, as like a I don't know, as like a weird Southern side. I mean, living in the South has made me feel very strange. But uh, I don't I don't know. It's fun too because a lot of these actors have also appeared in um, romantic comedies, and so I yeah. like that it's like a kind of an earlier movie and that they all play like either cops or like psychopaths or murderers yeah. and stuff. And so it's just, it's like really fun and it's really solid. It is very nineties, but I, I find that type of nostalgia um, sure. to be a little scary. Cause like, I don't know we're in our late thirties. And so there's like these, uh, these things that are scary to me. Like I used to download progs all the time. And so I could like go on AOL and like, you know, punt people out of chat rooms and shit. And I, remember I downloaded a virus, but it was like a scary virus, you know? And so very much um, it reminded me of this movie uh, because of, of the technology back then. And so I know you think it's sure. kind of like dorky and we've watched other movies, yeah. uh, you know, like what was it? Brain scan brain. Brain scan. Mm -hmm. uh, Lawnmower Man, you know, even yeah. um, Lord of Illusions, you, you have these like they're trying to do certain graphics and certain things, but I find it terrifying because that shit scared me when I was younger. Yeah, I mean <laughs> and like so it does really scare me, but I think people new who are not who did not grow up in the nineties um might find it weird. Sure. No, I mean, like, you're talking to somebody who, like, when they when somebody puts on a cassette tape in a, in a horror movie, I'm always like, yay, you know, but, like, um, 
it was just it's funny to me because the internet is such a huge part of our lives now it is it is a major part of our lives and just seeing it into infancy again because i remember the internet when it was 95 like i would go to look at a website and like the page would like on you know kind of come in chunks you know <laughs> and i remember like you know the a the sound of aol connecting to your you know computer i remember talking dirty to somebody on aol i was 13 years old i yeah. imagine they were probably like 30 something you know 13 something years old too but they were like they acted like they were you know it was like it was just like there i remember this really well so that's why i remember oh boy the internet it was just kind of like haha you know like that's so adorable because i remember that very vividly of like that that technology being so young and being so interesting you know now again it's just it's become second nature but it wasn't second nature then which is why when Dermot Mulroney he's like he's hacked into her internet address and I was like oh my god you know I was like laughing but I mean like it's it's cool um and, and I'm not it wasn't it was it's it's not a serious gripe it's just like I said though the problem with technology in any movie even in the 80s you know when they're like we're gonna put it on laser disc you're like haha laser disc you fucking idiots you know like yeah. it's just it's it's that thing that like you know, technology moves so fast, so it's always hard to capture that, you know. Um, another, another thing I liked about this movie, too, is Sigourney Weaver is so sure, um, and she should be, because especially when the cops come and she's just like, oh, my God, I have to do tests now. It's like she's a fucking doctor, but because something happened, and it's funny because the co the, the people who play the cops uh, do a really good job of like making her seem like a crazy person and when she's like calling repeatedly because she has knowledge about serial killers they're like isn't she the one who got that cop killed you know like they don't fucking care and they talk down about her and, and even though they're like two women uh she kind of sees her as another crazy person until until she actually gets to know her and she's like oh she's a doctor she's brilliant you know she's smart yeah. she knows what she's talking about and yeah. uh and i i do just love that i mean I don't know if it got swept under the radar too because of there's like two major women leads um, in a unfortunately in a that's probably a, yeah that's probably a huge contributing factor. I mean, like, do you want to see Sigourney Weaver and Holly Hunter chasing a serial killer? Do you want to see Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman? I know. I I, I'm not saying that because I want to see Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. I'm just saying that like I feel like the audience, you know what I mean? Like it's 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 a stigma that I think is is a real shame. Which is what I liked about this movie is that you have these two very well defined female characters chasing after the serial killer i mean and and this one of the screenwriters is named ann biederman and she wrote for nypd blue uh ray donovan now which i have a whole other beef with but um <laughs> but she also did that movie primal fear which had which I was like the movie that, that broke movie, yeah. yeah it was the movie that broke ed norton and then on the flip side you got this guy david manson who wrote the screenplay with her who he wrote a show called he wrote an episode of a show called night watch and i put mm. i just wrote night watch in a question mark um the guy who directed it john um yeah he, he did like well i mean he's done a lot of tv i feel like but he did that movie entrapment which i remember seeing because it was like the horny it was like what Catherine zeta jones and i remember the yeah. scene because it got made fun of a lot but where she was yeah. doing like that like horny athletics through like the laser field trying yep. to like <laughs> yeah no and, not uh, to say it's a bad movie but like you know I think what this guy's most famous for, though, when I looked at his credits, was um, he did a he did the original BBC version of the what they ended up making a movie of it later called um, the Singing Detective, mm -hmm. and um, and that was I think his big claim to fame. His name was John Emil Emil, um, and I, I I mean he did some other stuff. He did that movie Southersby with um, Richard Gere and um, Summersby. 
with uh, Richard Gere and what's her fucking face? Jodie Foster, mm-hmm. Silence of the Lamb. Um, he did The Core, which is one of those like disaster movie type things. Uh, I feel like I, I mean, saw that one, but I can't, I couldn't place it. And so I was like, yeah, but he, he did a lot of television. Um, and, you know, I, I think he, I mean, I think that's the only difference between this and sound, you know, like something like Silence of the Lambs, because my wife and I were talking about that. And I was like, you know, Sounds of Lambs feels like a horror movie because Jonathan Demi, Demi, no matter what people said about it, shot it like a horror movie. Like that last sequence between Buffalo Bill and, and Clarice where it's like the camera's tight on both of them. So it's like when, you know, you just get, you're getting point of view shots from both of them. And it's like, yeah. it's it's really claustrophobic. And um, I feel like Jonathan Demi also had a lot more experience with this type of stuff. And Jonathan Demi had, had a background in exploitation films as well with Corman and stuff like that. So I feel like he knew how to work the audience a little bit more for a certain effect. Whereas this one feels very straightforward and that's not a bad thing at all. Um, I'm just saying that like Jonathan Demi shot a lot of Silence of the Lambs like a horror movie. This one was shot more like a, a, a thriller detective movie. Yeah. It's not, it's not bad at all. Um, it just, there's a notable difference between the, the styles, between, you know, and yeah. And um, but I I still really enjoyed this movie. I was glad that you picked it because uh, I never honestly, if you hadn't picked this movie, I still wouldn't have seen it. You know what I mean? Because it's just it was it's that era of the '90s. I remember when this came out, and I remember just feeling like, oh my god, how many Sounds of Lambs movies are they gonna do? You know? Yeah, and I feel like that's a lot of people's opinion, and that's why I'm glad that I brought it up and that you were yeah. willing to watch it because I feel like it gets swept under the rug, and I don't hear about it as often. You know, a few other uh like blogs and stuff will talk about it but I do feel like it's one of those underrated that kind of gets lost 90s movies and you know I I love the 70s and the 90s yeah Um, and and I feel like you should watch I mean people should watch this movie if anything because the performances are so spot they're they're so solid you know like Sigourney Weaver and Holly Hunter are so good that like by not seeing this movie you're missing out on two really great performances hell yeah (laughs) so thumbs up Awesome. Yeah, go see it. I mean, it's available if you... I had a really old DVD version, which I finally bought a DVD player so I could watch it. Um, But I think I've had this DVD since, like, early 2000s when I used to just go digging in Walmart, you know, $5 bins. Um, And so it's available for rent, though. Most places, you know, YouTube, Amazon, whatever you can think of. Um, Or just download it off the internet, guys. It's, It's on there, and you can find really good versions of it as well. You're the only person I know who has it on DVD, and I know this because I sorted out your DVD yeah. time, and, and I have a feeling that all that work is now gone in your new place. Uh, yeah, um, you're exactly right. I, I yeah. know. It's like sacrilegious, but like I definitely just shoved them into a thing, and I was like, but luckily, I could find copycat really easy because, you know, the side of it yeah. has like big like red letters, and it just says like, copycat like stamped on there. Um, yeah, but definitely check it out. But yeah, I still own it on DVD, guys. And it wasn't one of the old ones where you'd have to flip it the DVD over, which I was glad for because uh, I wasn't gonna get up. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. So please find it if you have an old copy. You know, watch it. I'm sure you won't be disappointed. You won't. I definitely agree. All right, guys. All right. Until next time. Until next time. Bye. Bye. There's a serial killer out there who strangled three women. His motive is terror. I'm death and life to you, Doc. His purpose is murder, and his inspiration is all the famous killers who have come before. It's the Boston Strangler. Tell me this guy's copycatting a serial killer who's been dead for... 20 years. 
Sigourney Weaver, Holly Hunter, Dermot Mulrooney, and Harry Connick Jr. Copycat.